talk today about living at the highest level. Living at the highest level. How do we do that? We, as believers, as sons and daughters of God, um, I believe God wants us to understand how to engage our relationships in a way that as Christians, if Jesus is the foundation of love, if he is the loving expression of God and all that God created us to be, then in actual fact, God should have an impact on us that he teaches us how to live in relationship at the very highest level. Uh, in fact, in, I think it's um, uh, Isaiah 55, I think it is, I'm just remembering this verse, that says, come and let's go up to the mountain of the Lord. Let's go up to the house of our God and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. Why do we come to the house of God? It's not just to hear a message or be inspired it's actually to learn the ways of God so that we can walk in his paths you know God doesn't want us living a life we we shouldn't be where we were and we're not yet where we want to be but we should be a work in progress our marriage is a work in progress and and it's a good place to be because it means we're continuing to change and grow this idea of living at the highest level I'm talking about the highest level of relationship the highest level of intimacy and connection with another person. And in general, people would measure, well, the way I've defined it today, I've given five levels that people can live at. Um, the highest and the top one, I should have this the other way around, but anyway, the way I've designed it. The, the starting point of relationship with someone is acknowledgement. To acknowledge them, to see them. The first level. This is the shallowest level of relationship, a greeting level. How are you going? Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you? Great to see you. That's, that's the shallowest level, but it's a starting point of connection. It's acknowledgement. The next level of relationship is what we would call common facts, where I'm now engaging a person, but we're still at a pretty safe level. We're just talking about common facts. And the most common fact, when you don't know people, you're meeting people, or you, you know, it's a very shallow relationship, what do you talk about? The weather. <laughs> we all know this. We all know this. That, that we're looking, or we talk about the footy, or some sort of common ground that is just informational, but it's safe. You're not trying to be too over the top. Then the next level is the next level of depth in our relationship and my ability to connect with you, and that's the area of opinion. Now, What's happening when we start to share with people at the level of opinion is we're starting to show a little bit about how we think, what's in our head. So we're starting to open up a little bit um, in who we are and the way we think. The next level uh, of relationship, moving upwards, is the area of personal feelings. And what I've done in this moment from opinions to feelings I'm not just showing you what I think but now I'm showing you what's in my heart what I feel and so you understand what I'm saying the ultimate and deepest level of meaningful enriched relationship is the level of shared needs shared needs every one of these levels relates to a level of communication and you can have the deepest level of relationship in a team, a sporting team, where you have a great sense of community, you feel safe, you can open your heart. You can, have a, you can have this in a friendship where there is deep, meaningful relationship and, and we can open our heart, we can talk our, about our feelings, we can share our opinions, not be afraid we're going to get pushed back and bashed down and we can also share our deepest needs. God designed our marriages the most intimate of relationships, to be the platform from which people grow and they build community and children are raised in environments where they learn to be able to share their needs in a safe way. They learn to be able to communicate in a safe way that goes beyond opinion, beyond feelings. But now what are really my needs? How can I express that? How do we talk about that? What's sometimes sad is I can see uh, people at work in a, with their colleagues sometimes in a deeper relationship than they are with their spouse at home 
It's actually not how it's meant to be. The most powerful relationship that you are involved in is your marriage. And all other relationships uh, that we have are meaningful and value, valuable. But those that are in a marriage, God's, in, God's inviting you to learn how to go to the highest level. And so his, his question is this. What's the problem? Why don't, we get, why don't we sometimes get there? It's because of conflict. It's because of not knowing how to get beyond conflict. And I'm going to talk today about this idea of living at the highest level really is about how to create boundaries so that our conflict doesn't derail us and from getting to the highest level. Conflicts enter relationships between the level of opinion and shared feelings. Just go to the next slide. Conflict enters relationship between the level of opinion and shared feelings. The moment you start to give opinions on things and you start, why is that? Is because we are wired differently, especially in a marriage. Put your hand up if you, can, you noticed that the person you married, whether your spouse is here or not, but the person you married is actually very different from you. Just put your hand, if you've noticed that. <laughs> very different. <laughs> I'm, I am certain that God, when he chose my wife, and helped me find my wife, he somehow lured me in to finding the person, not just from the end of the planet, but from another planet, you know, like from another universe. Like, I just can't believe everything I think and say, Sue will see it exactly the opposite. If I say something's black, she'll say, no, no, it's white. If I say that's up, she'll, no, no, it's down. It's like, how is it possible? And, and when we were, you know, you know that season where you're partly brain damaged in your relationship, where you're over the top in love, there's too much dopamine in your system to think straight. Well, the science of it, the scientists would call that uh, equivalent to slight brain damage. You know, young couples who fall in love, it's a slight season of brain damage. And the brain damage has to come uh, because... <laughs> When, when couples are newly in love, it's because if you saw all the difference in your spouse and that was all you looked at, you'd never get together. So God brings the dopamine levels up to such a height, you go, oh my gosh, they're just perfect. They just, we never argue. We talk for hours. It's like, how I've found my absolute perfect mate. And then when the dopamine comes down... I've got, I've got this message talk about the awakening of marriage and the four levels of awakening. It's another whole thing. But, but it's, it's interesting that God, by design, brings this amazing person into our life. He didn't let us get married to make it easy. He actually created marriage for us to grow and become mature and build and become great people. And the difference, and I just want to, I mean, this is not my marriage, but a message, but I just want to say this. The difference in you as a couple is not your incompatibility. It's your capacity. See, if we're, if we're this different, that's the measure of our capacity. But if we're this different, <laughs> it's the measure of our capacity if we can master conflict. If we can understand ourselves and how to make the conflict work for us. Conflict is in every marriage. I'm pausing here to talk about it a bit more. Conflict is actually in every marriage. Not every marriage understands how to make it work for them. Because if you can understand the conflict, really the conflict comes out of your difference, but it's actually by God's design to give you a strengthened, better relationship than if you didn't have it. And if you can understand what the conflict is trying to say to you, the struggle you're going through and what it is, instead of just seeing that person's a selfish, stubborn pig and that's really, that's why we're having the conflict, you're missing it. You're actually missing it. There's something in the relationship that's more than that, con than that opinion. If you can discover it, you'll be, you'll be amazed. So here we go. We've got the conflict zone the, between opinions and feelings, but from the level of opinion through to the level of shared needs is the zone of conflict. Why? It's because with a growing marriage, I am far more sensitised to the actions and reactions of my spouse than any other person. Therefore, the potential of hurt, everyone say hurt, 
the potential of hurt increases as the relationship grows deeper. Have you ever wondered why? Why is it I'm working all day, it's all peace, get the job done, it's hard work, we sort of wrestle through things. I come home and suddenly we're fighting like cat and dog. What the heck? This is the person I love and with the person I don't really care that much, people that I don't care that much about, it's all peace. But I go home with this woman or man that I'm passionately in love with and all we do is fight. Oh my gosh, what is going on? It's because you're in this zone of sensitivity at a higher level than you are with any other person. So you don't have to try to hurt each other, you just do it automatically. (laughs) So look, let's just apologise for what we're going to do right now because we we don't do it deliberately, we do it accidentally. It just happens because we are so much more wired into each other as a couple. Now, this is true of teams as well. If you're a single person sitting here, if you're in a team and you're close as a team, you're actually more vulnerable. So what do I do? Do I shut down and and say, well, I'm not going to let anyone in. I'm going to harden my heart. If you do, you're ripping your own life off. You're getting ripped off. Because the atmosphere of, of vulnerability, of connection, is the most powerful place for you to grow and whatever you're involved in. It can happen in a business, a team. Uh, it can happen with your children. With your children. If you want this same idea, as soon as your kids hit teenage years, they suddenly, what, have opinions and then they have hormonal feelings and then it's all like and you're the worst thing from you're you're the worst parent on the planet you're the devil of hell you used to be the hero and suddenly now they've got an opinion on everything and you were always the problem anyone relate to what I'm saying well maybe some of you yet to come through those years but it's exciting it's really exciting (laughs) just just pray for God to help you stay through it all (laughs) dealing with conflict in a, in a healthy way, safely allows us to grow to the deepest level of intimacy together. Why bother? I mean, what? Okay, let's deal with... It, isn't that just a lot of work for what's the point? Here's the point. If we don't, what we will tend to do is cycle. And I've got in this diagram here, we will bounce from... If we hit the conflict zone and never understand what our conflict is trying to point us to or how to work through that, what you'll end up doing is just bouncing back to the safe levels of relationship again. Well, just go back to facts, go back to greetings. How you going, darling? Yeah, good to see you. Talk about the weather, watch TV together, go to work, do life. And 20 years later, you realise I don't even know this person. Why are we even married? And the number one issue of why we can't do that is because it's lonely. You were not designed to live in this way, in a shallow level. God designed you. The problem is relationships that stay shallow are lonely. Why does infidelity happen? Why Why do affairs often happen? It's because one party in that relationship is somehow only at a shallow level of connection or both parties have not understood the environment it's an environment of emotional poverty the only way to deepen it is to learn to communicate and get through conflict i'm not into just resolving conflict for the sake of conflict who cares conflict is conflict i'm resolving it so that i can get somewhere we want to resolve conflict in our relationship so we arrive at a point of intimacy that's meaningful, that's deep. I feel like I'm connected to you. I want to belong in this relationship, in this marriage. I want to have a fantastic relationship. I want to be nuts about you again and passionately in love. You know, this is our 35th year of marriage uh, right now and I am passionately in love with my wife. Uh, we, We have learned to understand that our difference is the greatest gift that God has given us. And now we understand how to work through it. Here's the point of why you need to work through conflict. Because you were designed by God to know and be known in the deepest way. You were designed to know someone and to be known by someone. It's a deep need in the human heart. And when we live shallow, when we... And and look, our parents have raised us. We've gone through environments. We've gone through things in our past but you as a child of God are a new generation. 
You're the one who determines the life you will live. You're the one who right now can determine what your future will be, what type of children you will raise. If we keep looking back at the past, the generations gone before and saying, well, because of this, that and the other thing, we can't change. I want to say to you right now, you're a new generation. Christ has died on the cross to take that that curse of sin, that generational sin and break it over your life so you can begin a brand new generation. But you will have to confront your fear. You'll have to confront your biases. You'll have to confront yourself to change. And we've had to do that over and over again. But as we do, we can grow and we can learn the ways of God. Uh, it's on the husbands, 1 Peter 3, 7 and verses A in the Amplified Bible. It says this to us as husbands. In the same way you husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, with great gentleness and tact. Everyone say tact. If you don't understand what tact is, then you're going to have a lot of conflict. Uh, And with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship. Three things there, gentleness, tact and intelligence. As men, we need to put it all on and work at it in that way. The American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy says this, one of the most common causes of infidelity is a sense of emotional disconnection. From your partner, uh, from your partner, 35% of women and 45% of men had emotional affairs outside of their primary relationship. And it's put down to this fact of emotional poverty in the marriage and couples staying safe, not being willing to go there. So it's easier to go out, have a one-night stand or an affair on the side which doesn't take any commitment. It's just me doing what I want. But I'm telling you, the reward of your life will never be found in an affair or anything outside of the marriage. It'll be found by working, fighting for what you've got and working together. Now, I want to encourage the ladies here, okay, to explain something and and the men as well. Now, I've got a diagram here which is about um, the physical sexual wiring of men and the emotional communication wiring of women, all right? Now, if you can understand this, so for men, and this is a generalisation, sometimes 20% can be the reverse of this. It's it's like an 80-20 principle, but this is the general rule of thumb, and if you're different to this as a couple, that's fantastic. The bottom line is you've got to understand how each other function. When it comes to sex, right, men are like microwave ovens. Bing! Ready to go. One glance, one look, and he is ready for action, all systems blazing. And you might have had a fight, you might have been in arguments that day, you might have been ready to tear each other's heads off. But the moment you walk into that bedroom at night or you put on a nice dress in the evening or whatever, bing, something switches in him and he's just ready. And, and as a woman, you might go, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? You're a pervert. How could we even think of that? Something seriously wrong in your brain. No, no, it's called testosterone. And it's, it's just his wiring is physical first, emotional second. Whereas, men, you need to understand that when it comes to uh, emotional communication, actually, ladies, you need to understand this as well. Your husband is like a slow cooker and you're a microwave oven. As soon as there's opportunity for an emotional conversation for a lady... Ready to go, all actions blazing. In fact, they talk so much, they'll go straight to the ladies' toilets and keep talking all the way through that experience. They'll all come out and they'll be raging together. I mean, I don't relate to that as a man. I walk into the toilet on my own, keep out of my business, you know, and we'll resume the conversation later. This is not that level of engagement. It just fascinates me, the dynamics of women and men and, and that difference. But you need to understand with each other, your husband sexually is a microwave oven, but you as a woman in communication are like a microwave oven. So he, what's the problem? I have, I have women, when, when I'm talking pastorally in marriages, I have women constantly saying, my husband just wants sex and she's always running away from him. And kind of, how do I get less sex? And then I have, the, I have the men coming to me saying, my wife always wants to talk about everything and, and, and wants to, wants, she's sucking my brain dry and, and he's running away from her. Do you see the problem? The problem is we bring the best of both worlds into each other's lives. 
See, a great marriage is designed to rewire you as a man. Your wife is in your life to rewire your heart to teach you how to engage emotionally. Ladies, your husband is in your life to rewire you sexually and to bring the physical sexual intimacy of his capacity into your life as well. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to negotiate stuff and work it out. Um, but, but I'm saying that if you can understand this difference, this is a huge issue. Um, and emotional communication in the area of intimacy, men, I'm just going to say this like it is, okay? I know we've got a fairly different demographic here and it's a Sunday service, but I'm just going to say this. I learned that when I was started to understand and master emotional communication to my wife, it affected her completely in terms of her desire to be physically intimate with me. Don't ever criticise your wife if she's not up for it in terms of physical sexual intimacy when you haven't actually laid the ground emotionally for her heart because for her, she connects with you at a heart. She loves your heart before she loves your body. Now, it might sometimes be confusing depending on the cycle in the month. But uh, <laughs> the point is, the point is, in fact, there might be times where, you know, you, you're very excited to go, and, but it's the wrong time of the month and you, you're going to get a baseball bat across the head if you even think <laughs> about it. <laughs> That's just the reality. I, I grew up with all men, had no clue of a woman's physical cycle and how her hormonal and emotional connection to all that was was connected and it was a shock to my system I used to it was like a roller coaster ride in the early months of our marriage and I go oh, well, I don't understand this at all God help me help me prayer and fasting for months it was like crazy so how do we do it you still with me you getting what I'm saying so we want to go on a journey to actually grow in relationship and what you, the principle you're going to learn now applies whether you're single or married. These are frameworking principles. I want to talk about how to do that, but we're talking about communication boundaries to help us address our conflict. Number one, the number one key when you're dealing with conflict, working through conflict, is number one, set the boundaries in place before the game. Game of basketball. How many here love basketball? Watching it or playing it? I love basketball, football, whatever sport, um, the game only is played because there's clear boundaries before the guys, the girls step on the court. Can you imagine a game of basketball if there was no boundaries, there was no clear goalposts, there was no markings? What would the game be? Who knows? There would be, it, would be any, it, could, it would be unsafe because the ball would end up in the stands, in the people watching, and it would just be a free-for-all because no one knows where it begins, where it ends, no one knows where it starts, where it finishes. There is no boundaries. If you're going to deal with each other as a couple uh, or in friendships, you've got to have personal boundaries and couple boundaries that help you safeguard the, the intense pressure you feel when you're having a conflict. Everyone will have conflict, some more than others. But if you can understand your conflict, it'll help you. Proverbs 22 and verse 3 says, A prudent person with insight foresees danger coming and prepares himself for it. In other words, they set a guard. They set things in place before the danger arrives. If you know there's a cyclone on the way, right? And every marriage has regular cyclones go through it. You prepare the ground, you prepare houses, you set things up so that people are safe. Well, when it comes, we get through it together. Make sense? Um, and so this idea of prepare beforehand or set boundaries before, we, we were in our early stages of marriage. And I remember we had two distinct parts of our marriage. We were fully nuts about each other and in love and then we were fully in hate with each other and in conflict i'll just say that again we were fully nuts and in love but then we would be fully in hate something would set us off at a conflict and then in the moment where we were like in conflict it was like we went and said and did things and went into all sorts of escalation 
should never have happened, but there was no boundaries. There was no clear guideline and framework. So I, so I come from like a middle-class family, uh, which is mainly all men. And in my family, my dad is the head of our home, head of our family. Him and mum have what you'd call a pretty traditional marriage, and it works for them. And dad was the leader, and he, people, I would go to him for advice, and mum would work with him, and they would work as a great team, patriarchal culture. You understand? Male-led. I married uh, Sue, and Sue comes as, a, as an only child from a single mum. Right? Single mum, no men. So mum had fallen pregnant many years earlier, had never really had a male role model to raise Sue, and so it was mum and daughter. But Sue's grandmother also was a single mum and had twins, had twin girls, and they were raised only women. And Sue's great-grandmother was a single mum, raised her daughter, had only women raising. So here is this matriarchal female culture for a hundred years. Then along comes, then along comes patriarchal boy. <laughs> All boys that I grew up with and my dad's my main influence and I then encountered this female that I was nuts about and it was World War Three. We had no boundaries that we put in place. And so when we fought, we fought hard. We fought viciously and we fought in a way that was destructive. When we were in love, we were passionately in love. But as we went along, the love and the passion started to diminish because we couldn't get through our conflicts. And so we'd have a conflict and we'd just sort of leave it. And our conflicts would last a week. They were hurtful. We'd stop talking. It was exhausting. We had no boundaries. We didn't realise that a simple boundary can help us. So everyone say, set boundaries before. before. Number two, number two, the second principle of dealing with this going to the highest level is agree. Everyone say, agree. Agree on the boundary. So it's good to have an idea of a boundary, but it's useless if your boundary is different to your boundary. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've got all my boundaries in place and you are not moving them. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm doing what I want. You do what you want. And it was intense, terrible, terrible. I well, we probably shouldn't do that in church. Anyway. <laughs> but that's what it was like. It was very difficult for us. What we did was we had to agree what our boundaries were. And this is the next point. So we agreed that we will discuss the issue specifically. Um, we wouldn't introduce other issues. We won't go back into the past. I had a friend come and see me the other day. And he said, mate, we had the worst fight last night. It was bad. And he said, my wife, mate, she went completely historical. I went, yes. Historic? You mean hysterical? He goes, nah, mate. <laughs> I mean historical. <laughs> we started with a fight. Pretty soon we went into what I did two weeks ago. Before you knew it, we were back on our honeymoon and the pear that went pear-shaped as well. I mean historical. <laughs> it was terrible. And um, that's just a joke. But uh, I used to sometimes do that in reverse. Uh, but the point is this. The point is, if you introduce another issue into your conversation when you're in a conflict, you can never resolve it. Uh, so, for example, if you start, well, you always do this. Remember you did that the other day. You, you never listen to me. The moment you use you always and you never, that conversation's over. Because what you've done is you've moved from the issue to the character of the person. And, and I'll just pause and explain how, how fights grow. A fight in a conflict grows because you start with an issue that's this big but the moment you move from that and you start saying, you always, you, you never, you've actually enlarged it to the point where it's bigger than you can actually resolve because now you're not talking about the issue, you're talking about the character of the person. Yeah. The moment you use that language. And immediately that other person's going to, they're going to forget about the issue and they go, hang on, I never, I don't always do that, that's it. No, I'm, not, I'm just going to, now I'm defending. I'm not physically fighting, but, you know, emotionally and verbally, I'm defending. I'm not actually interested in what we're in conflict about anymore because you can just go and stick it. Oh, don't you dare tell me that I'm this, I'm that, because you're attacking the character. Same in a team. 
if you do that in a team, you start criticising, condemning it, or in a church, when you have, I oh know, no, maybe not this church, there'd be never any conflicts, but in normal churches, in most churches, all the other churches, you know, oh, the pastor always does this, or they never do that. Don't do that. Don't allow that. Work things through in a personal, authentic way. Don't talk about that amongst each other. Don't allow that type of language. Set that. Agree together. What are our boundaries of respect and honour and care for each other? Sometimes as a church we want to bring the kingdom to the world and win the world, but we have no boundaries to manage things when it gets tough and we go through difficult times. Every community will have conflict issues, whether it's small or whether it's a couple. So number one, set the boundaries in place. Number two, agree on what those boundaries are. Um, there's, there's an old proverb, and it's, it's uh, apparently a Russian proverb, and it says, he who chases two rabbits catches neither one. In fact, uh, that, I'm told that that was originally brought in by Confucius, but this is a Christian teaching. We didn't want to bring any Confucian into the congregation. Anyway, another terrible dad joke. Okay. <laughs> number three, <laughs> number three, prioritise the care of your spouse over your personal cause. What we tend to do is we judge ourselves by our intention. We judge others by their action. Say that one more time. We judge our spouse by our intention, but we judge, we judge, our, we judge ourselves by our intention, but we judge our spouse by their action. It's so hard to keep away from judgment. You've got to stay on what the issue is and choose to care for that person more than you're, you're fighting to get your own way. In 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, it says, Love cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love cares more for others than self. It doesn't want what it doesn't have. So in our case, and, and I'm going to wrap up with these personal examples, okay? So what were the boundaries we had to put in place? Now, right now, as I've talked about those three areas, the boundaries in place before, making an agreement of what those boundaries are when we're next in a conflict um, and prioritising the care over the cause, I want you to think right now, what are the boundaries that you need to put in place in your marriage? What are the things that you will tend to fall into that cause your conflicts to go pear-shaped and to really lose each other, hurt each other, say things that you don't mean? In the end, uh, weaken your relationship. And, and I'm encouraging you, if you've got take notes right now, think about this, put down some thoughts, maybe things you can talk about later as a couple as well. Our personal examples, number one, our first boundary we had to deal with was our volume. Volume. That we would, and, and this looks a bit sexist because I've got always the woman as the person, but this was the best picture I could find. The point is, when you speak loudly to each other, when you use and raise your voice, you immediately cause an instinctive reaction of, of defence. The louder your voice the more defensive your spouse will become. Now, I'm not saying you've got to become like the cold assassin. All right, then. Let's talk through the issue. <laughs> I know that you're upset with me. But if you lay out the problems, lay out the points, then we can get through it together. <laughs> All right, what do you want to say? I mean, that's going to that's gonna get the other person into a raging fit. <laughs> you know, that's like tormenting. Um, be real, be authentic, but manage your volume, okay? Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, part A says in the Passion Translation, respond gently when you are confronted and you'll diffuse the rage of another. You'll diffuse. The word diffuse there in the original language means to it draws anger out. It draws the anger out of the other person when you respond gently. Um, I'm going to read the second part of that verse. So number one was volume. Number two, language. The language you use with each other. And I've mentioned that already. You always, you never. Using words of judgment, criticism. Manage your language. Our language was terrible. When we would get angry, we would let things come out of our mouth 
that we never should. And if it was put up on the screen, you probably wouldn't have me speaking here today. Uh, but you know what I mean? Because if, if one day we're going to give an account to God for every word we've spoken. We're going to stand before Jesus. So let's make it a lot more pleasant experience standing before Jesus, giving an account of our words. Let's get them under control because nothing's worth it. Is, it. is it really worth it for you to prove your point, get your way? Is it really worth it? Ask yourself this question, am I helping? Are we building and growing together by us winning, by me winning this point? I know emotionally it feels like you're winning, but you know deep down you're stuffing things up. It's hurting you. Your language. Again, in um, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Your words are so powerful, they will kill or give life. What you say to each other matters. Because what's happening is you're either destroying trust or you're strengthening it. Because you go through a difficult conflict, if you do that well, it'll strengthen your trust together. If you don't take control of yourself in the conflict, you will destroy your trust. And trust is connected to the sense of bondedness that couples have. You hear what I'm saying? Um, first one, volume. Then language. We had to work on our language. Um, and the third thing was attitude. What, what are the attitudes that we're working? We had to call them out and talk about them. Uh, when I would get hurt, uh, often was I'd become indifferent. Uh, we would struggle with comparison. Well, what are you doing for this marriage? I'm doing this, this, and I've got a ledger. This, 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 this. Now, when I look at your ledger, uh, it's, it's oh, this. Hang on, I'm putting in all the work. Comparison. And again, judgment. You, by, when you compare like that, why, why do I caution anyone about that? If you have this ledger where you, it's, it's, a legalist, it's legalism. I'm looking at my brownie points and what I deserve compared to your brownie points and what you deserve. What's the problem? The problem is we're biased. We're biased towards ourselves, especially when we're hurt. We have a sense of entitlement. So when you hurt me, my sense of personal entitlement grows. So I've actually got a legalistic, judgmental list against you probably not based on your strengths or where you can really contribute. It's all based on my strength and my expectations. I'm actually ruining my marriage by this comparative list. Burn the list. Burn the list. If you want a reference, Braveheart, 30 minutes in. Burn it, burn it all. Okay, there you go. <laughs> the Braveheart, anyway, that was another sad dad joke, sorry. Um, victim mentality. Stop seeing yourself as always the victim. Um, and the last attitude, I've got a right to be hurt. You should never have done that. Now, that doesn't mean we don't feel hurt and struggle with getting over things and work that through. But don't give yourself permission to be hurt. Here's the reason. My spouse is not responsible for what I hold in my heart. Yep, we're in conflict. Yep, maybe some dumb things were said and done. But I'm never responsible, you are never responsible for what you hold in your, your spouse is never responsible for what you hold in your heart and continue to fester on and soak in and let permeate in your heart. You have got to take ownership and see yourself in this, that you're perpetuating your own pain and your struggle. Does that make sense? I'm trying to, and last thing, last thing here, oh, actually, let me just read this verse, Ephesians 4 31 and 32. Lay aside bitter words, temp temper tantrums, revenge, profanity and insults. That's right there, a description of our early years of marriage. Perfect description. But instead, be kind and affectionate towards one another. God, has God graciously forgiven you? Then, graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, come on. We're better than this. We can do it. You can do it. You're, in, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit and God's love. And here's the last thought. Here's the last thought. What happens when we just too, we're upset, we're hurt, we're angry, we're just really struggling, we've had a bad conflict, haven't done it the way we should have, and we really are in a hole? Call time out. This is one of the best things we learn to do. And... Um, in a basketball game, 
when there is negative momentum building against a team and the team coach sees the team are losing, he will call from the bench, time out, time out, and the whistle will blow, umpire will stop the game, call time out, both teams will go and sit in their space on the bench and the coach will get there, he'll let them rest, he'll encourage their heart, he'll stir them again, and then they'll go back onto the game. And th- what happens is the negative momentum of the opposition against that team has been broken. The rhythm of negative momentum. Because negative momentum, negative hurt has a rhythm. You understand that? And as it's building, as it's building, as it's building, you feel like, I can't stop this. I'm so angry. And every time he says something or she says something, I can't help myself. I push back, bang, bang. And then it's just suddenly out of control. Some of you may not understand what that's like, but that's what it was like for us. Call time out. Call time out. Don't call time out for your spouse. Hang on, you need a time out. You need a time out. Look, you're killing me here. You just, you know, don't do that. Don't do that. Even if your spouse is out of control and they are saying dumb things and they're angry, go, look, I'm sorry, can we just pause for a second? I need time. I just need a time out. Now, I'm not talking about a cop-out. Oh, well, <laughs> that's a cop-out. <laughs> or a walk-out, okay? <laughs> Sorry, is that, that's, don't, that's not a time-out. Hang on, hang on, look. I'm not, I'm not talking the way I should, and I'm, I'm really upset. So can we just take a breath? Can we go and get a coffee and just, just pause this for a second and come back in 10 or 15 minutes, and let's try and talk about this again? Because I don't feel like... I'm talking to you the way I should, the way I want to. I'm just too upset. Uh, or we've got kids. I'm, I'm getting kids ready for school. One's getting breakfast. One's work, getting ready for work. And we're on the run, and we're having a conflict, sort of as everything else is going on. And uh, hang on, hang on. I just can't concentrate. You've got the kids. I've got work. Uh, can we just meet together this afternoon when when the kids get home? Let them settle. Let's have some food and we don't want to be hangry. So let's just have a bit of food. Or maybe tonight. Can we do that after the kids are bed? Can we talk about this again then? I love you and I want you to know I want to sort this out. But I don't want to be angry when I do this. I want to take ownership. I'm trying to stop this now. See the difference? So what we're doing is we're not just stopping and calling a time. We're saying, can we just pause for 10 minutes? Can we come back in 10 minutes? Can we talk about it tonight? I'm too upset. Could we talk about this tomorrow or on the weekend? And what we do is we put that issue on the shelf, right? That It's a real issue. It's something we're disagreeing about. We put it there and we pause it, but then we forgive each other. Now, we haven't resolved it. This is the most important thing you've got to learn. I didn't know you could go to bed in love with each other even when you've got a conflict going on. I always thought if you went to bed with a conflict and that you hadn't finished resolving, in the end what you did was you went to bed angry. Not true. You have to separate the conflict from the anger. You understand what I'm saying? So there's something we're working through. I can put that to the side. Can we? The moment you commit yourself to follow this up, Tomorrow in 10 minutes or whatever it is, if it's a late night, because we, we had to put a timer on how late we were going to fight till, because after 10 o'clock, I'm a basket case. You know what I mean? I'm an early bird. I get up in the morning early, the crack of dawn. My wife, she gets up the crack of noon, so we're different. <laughs> she comes alive at 9 o'clock at night. She's ready to party and go all night, does vacuuming, at, you know, comes into the bedroom at 11 o'clock, <laughs> music on, just energised on... <laughs> It's just completely the opposite. So we had to have a boundary in terms of our time. But um, this thing of calling time out is so incredibly important that you understand how to negotiate that, how to set that up so that you can win. You can let that issue be on the shelf, but you can commit to honouring, loving and respecting each other. That doesn't mean it's all gone, but it means you're not going to bed angry. Because when you go to bed angry, you don't sleep anyway. It's a terrible night. So I can put that on the shelf and say, I love you. I'm so sorry for the words that I've used. Uh, I, if we've hurt each other, we can kiss and make up. Whatever. We can, we can go to bed with intimacy and connection. 
Learning to leave people in a healthy way, never let the conflict be the determination of the relationship. That's what I'm really saying. Never let your conflict, because you will have conflict with every single person that you're relating with. Never let the conflict determine at what level you're going to grow with those other people. Father, I just thank you right now for your presence in this place. I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit going on in the, every heart, Lord, that you, you've called us to be people of incredible, excellent relationships. People who live at the highest level, who understand how to take charge of ourselves, but we're pursuing something. We're not just pursuing uh, the idea of tranquility, we're pursuing the idea of intimacy and the depths and the deepest and the highest level of relationship that we can know. And so, Father, I pray right now for every person. In fact, if you relate to this issue of putting boundaries in place and, and uh, really setting yourself to work through conflicts in a greater way, to reach out, I want you just to stand to your feet and say, God, help me with this. Help me with this. It might even be a work situation or school or relationships. Or if you, you want to stand today and say, God, help us with our marriage, then the starting point of God's grace and mercy is vulnerability. Stand before the Lord and say, God, help us. Help us to find greater strength in working through our conflicts, working and building to the highest level. So if you want to stand right now with me, I want you to do that. And then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for marriages, pray for people. If you need to do that, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, for every couple today, every, every person who is standing for their relationship, who wrestles in some level with conflict and moving forward and, and creating a safe space, to, to be able to uh, find meaning and find deeper intimacy and connection. We just pray for them today that the power of the Holy Spirit would strengthen them, Lord, and empower them in every way, that they would know that you are with them. Your strength, your grace, your capacity... You have called them to be a child of God. Your word says, to as many as received you, to them you gave the power to become, to become children of God. Therefore, the power to change, the power to grow, the power to live in this new life. And I declare that over every person here, whether they're single or married, Lord, that you would strengthen every heart in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Last quick call. I'm just going to give an invitation for salvation. Uh, if you, if you, you may be here today, and I don't know anyone in the church, so it's great. It's good I know Nate and Beck. But, but what really changed with us in our marriage was an incredible encounter we had with God. Very early on, we both found Christ in our marriage. And we, we actually had to trust him and submitted our marriage to him. So it was almost like we got married more than once. We were married at the altar, but when the reality of our incapacity and our struggle and our felt impossible, in that moment, we came to God again and we said, God, have our life and please have our marriage. Help us to build something beautiful and meaningful. And God came that night. The presence of God was so beautiful. He, if you don't know God, I want to tell you, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know his love, his mercy, his kindness. And it was like that night God wrapped around us his beautiful presence. And it was like the starting of a brand new journey of relationship where we started to learn, we started to grow. And every morning after that morning, I woke up in the morning and I remember feeling this deep sense of love for my wife. And it wasn't even like just my sexual love for her. It was a love like it was, love, it was a love like she was my daughter or my, or my uh, just a close relation that I loved deeply when I woke up and I felt fondness. I felt love towards her in a beautiful way, which then started to build our relationship in another way. It wasn't that she was just my sexual partner, my spouse. It was something beautiful. I saw her in the way God saw her. 
and I needed help. I couldn't do that. And when we get in points of our life, we need Jesus Christ's help. We need God's help. And I want to give an invitation. If there's anyone here this morning, just everyone could bow their heads for a moment. Jesus died on the cross for your sin to give you a personal relationship with him and to allow you to have fantastic relationships in your marriages, in your life, with your friendships. So if there's anyone this morning wants to receive Christ, just at the, I'm going to count to three. And if you have never made a personal response to Jesus, if you never asked him personally into your heart, I want to invite you to do that this morning. So you can know him and receive his personal strength. If that's anyone here, I'd love to pray. And we're going to pray as a church through that prayer of faith. One, two, three. Is anyone going to say, yeah, that's me. I want to receive Christ. I need his help. I don't know how to do it on my own. God help me. Just a quick opportunity right now, if there's anyone wants to do that, before I close. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Father, we just thank you today for your amazing love. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for your strength and the power you bring into our marriages. And I pray for every couple in this room, every single person in their relationships, their, their, what they're part of, their teams, their family, and their, their other at school, whatever education, help every single person, Lord. And I pray also, Lord, for every couple who are working through this journey of intimacy and marriage. Strengthen them. Bless them. Be with them. Let the words that I've spoken today, Lord, be like foundational words that they can build their life upon. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.